talking. <laughs> Not this time. It's here, the talking queers. Come on! Ah, it! Boo, you whore. Ready to party! How oh, very. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. I'm Frankie. And I'm Jake. And welcome to Hear the Talking Queers. Yes. Where the hell has this been? <laughs> right. Where has it been? We've only, this has been a dream of ours. Yes. For many seasons now. And we always try to incorporate it somehow. But we're like, we don't have time to do no extra episode. We don't have time for Patreon. We don't have time for that. Yeah. We don't have any yeah time for these like subscription services. So we've decided to just weave this into our monthly lineup. I mean, this is... Yeah. So every month now, you're going to be getting a non-horror episode. Sorry, crazy horror fans. I know some of you will be disappointed, but I know a lot of you are excited to hear us talk about these movies too. Yes. You know, we're starting off kind of light this season, at least. But I mean, okay, Clueless is probably the most... (laughs) (laughs) I think Clueless, out of our lineup that we have planned for this season, is probably the most, like, opposite of horror. The other ones, I feel like we could have maybe blended into Fear of the Talking Queers. So we're we're easing our way in. Yeah, they all have a little bit of, like, a dark side. Yes. These other movies. But we're going... Right for the one that we've sort of like, I feel like we've teased this a lot that we love this. And one day we're going to do this. And people have messaged us on social media, like asking when we're going to do this. And so we're delivering today. I know. But first, I wanted to ask you what you've been watching on TV. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So many things. Um, We never finished our conversation about Yellow Jackets now that the season is over. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a... Let's start with that. That sounds perfect. Okay, so we kind of talked about the first few episodes earlier mm-hmm. on, I think maybe last season. But yeah. now that the show is over, it ended with this huge cliffhanger. So the entire yeah. season was a setup for season two, which was sort of disappointing. Yeah, I yeah, I was totally kind of bummed about that. I was like waiting episode after episode. I was like, okay, we're going to get to the goods now. This is what we were teased in the very first episode that came out. The very first scene that happened yeah. was this, you know, woodsy scene where there was, looked like there was some sort of like Lord of the Flies-esque court, you know, system yes. that happened and like trial and somebody died. And then once we get to the final episode of Yellow Jackets, spoiler alert, we didn't even get we never there. We got there. No, the first two episodes were great. And then it was like episode three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We were like, okay, they really need to start telling the story. Yeah. Because now we're just getting scenes. Like, I don't need to know what these bitches, how they took shits and what they did (laughs) here and this and that. Like, I don't need to know any of that. Who's fucking who? Who's, yeah, like, there was a lot of that. It was a little plotting for a minute. Like, but I feel like once we did reach towards the end, I feel like the the action ramped up a little bit. Um, Yeah. You know, and I, which is good. I think it really needed to after a point because I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, why am I tuning in every week if we're not, if we're like baby stepping towards what we really want to see? Yeah. And spoiler alert, but season one ends with probably a lot more of the girls from the accident still alive. And yeah, part, part of this like cult that they created in the woods. And so like now I'm like, now that that's all out, I really need them to start ramping things up and getting the ball rolling for season two. 
Agreed. All right, come on, showtime. Time to bust out season two. We're ready. Yes, we're ready. Um, speaking of season two, well, actually, no, this is season three. I'll tell you what I've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've been watching Jocelyn's Cabaret on the Zeus Network. <laughs> oh my god! Please explain to our viewers <laughs> or what sorry, this is. our listeners what this is. If you don't know what Zeus is, Zeus is kind of like what VH1 used to be in the days of Flavor of Love, what Oxygen used to be in the days of Bad Girls Club. It's super exploitative for the subjects in the shows. But this trash is, TV, um, right? It's trash, t- it's trash TV, right? Let's the, be honest. You know, Jocelyn Hernandez, if you're not familiar, she's from Love and Hip Hop, Atlanta, and all this stuff. This show is just a guilty pleasure for me. You have nudity, you have fist fights, and Jocelyn Hernandez was made for TV. And, and it, it really harkens back to the VH1 celeb reality days of old, but like extreme. And I feel guilty for watching it just because they exploit these people so hard. <laughs> that <laughs> It's kind of cringy to watch, but if you enjoy that kind of stuff, they have new episodes every Sunday on Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, yeah. Check out Jocelyn's Cabaret. Why not? Why you know not? who I want to see naked? Who? John, John Cena? Cena. <laughs> yes, I knew it. Yes. Well, if, if you want to, you can tune into HBO Max for Peacemaker. Peacemaker mm. is the uh, spin-off TV series from the newest uh, film that came out from DC. Not, I guess the newest? Maybe. The Suicide Squad that came out. And uh, it follows John Cena's character, Peacemaker. And it is, it's actually really fun. It's actually very funny. I think John Cena is, he's given the opportunity to be, you know, comedic, but also, you know, filled with action. And um, I don't know, I think it's it's a really good balance and it really matches the energy of the Suicide Squad, which I think, which I think, which, which I think was very successful. As yeah, far as like, it was delivering. definitely one of DC's finest movies. Oh, for sure, because it was it was campy but action packed, but really funny, really dark humor, um, and you get to see John Cena's big old ass in it. So, there you go. what I more know. could you ask for? It's great that he can be sexy and funny and action, he, like he's and perfect naked. for a superhero role. <laughs> mm, I want that next. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's perfect. It's a really hilarious show, and Danielle Brooks is in it, and she is yes. equally hilarious. And the, and just if anything, just tune in for the opening credits because they're brilliant. It's oh, you, you'll see why when you tune in. It's just like you'll watch it, like okay, this is what I can expect from the show because it's really silly and really fun. So check out Peacemaker on HBO Max. That sounds fun and funny. You know what, Joe, I've been watching that's funny that I think you've seen a couple of episodes is Abbott Elementary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That show is funny. Yes, I think it premieres on ABC, but I've been watching it on Hulu. It is so yeah. funny. It's like a mockumentary comedy show about an underfunded school. <laughs> and yes. it reminds me of the schools Elementary that I went to. school. Like, yeah. The staff, the staff reminds me of like some of my teachers and principals. But the highlight for me is the hilarious actress slash comedian Janelle James as Ava, the principal. <laughs> she <laughs> is hilarious. I literally am in tears watching. I'm like, this is so like unexpected for a 20 minute ABC show. You know, I don't yeah. expect to be in tears rolling on the floor laughing, but she always has me rolling on the floor. Yeah. She's hilarious. And honestly, I think Quinta Brunson is also really fantastic in it. She's more of like, she's great. The, she's, she's kind of like the straight man in it, but she's just, she has, yeah. brings a lot of heart to it. And 
she is very funny and um i really love her so it's not lovely to see her leading a show yeah, um, yeah she's a great lead for this show honestly yeah. everybody is spectacular in the show yeah. it, it's very successfully funny so also successful and funny but now over is pen 15 oh my god heartbreaking i'm so heartbroken that one of my favorite shows of all time pen 15 is now over forever um so recently the uh second half of the second season premiered and it really saw our our lovely little characters maya and anna really starting to transition into you know maturity and you know the show did you know, you kind of watch the first season of the show, and it's pretty light, and but, but very funny. But the very second funny. season gets a little, um, I don't want to say dark, but it just gets a little heavier. It, it got and, a little more real. Yes, a little more real. Half. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But you know what? It, it, it's true to life, and these are things that teenagers are, you know, even preteens. These pre-teens. girls are supposed to be like 13 years old, like... It's just really true to what the experience actually is like. And I can't speak about a girl's experience, but um, just like being a young kid in the early 2000s, it just really encapsulates what it was like. And um, I'm really sad to see the show go. I love it so much. I hope that maybe they'll just like release random episodes or animated specials or something just to, you know... to keep it going in some sort of way or I just want to see what they have uh, coming out next because I think that Maya Erskine and uh, Anna Conkle are just I don't know brilliant They're brilliant women brilliant, so, brilliant yeah. minds absolutely um, <laughs> speaking of getting dark in season 2 bitch euphoria uh I this show leaves <laughs> me speechless <laughs> speechless it- Every episode. This is a much darker season, but I feel like I get it. Like, as these characters get older, the neon-colored version of their youth is gone that we saw in season one. The purples yeah. all gone. And now they're have making bigger, bolder, more adult decisions this season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what these teenagers go through is absolutely just insane. Bonkers. Bonkers. But- it's very real because I know more teenagers like this than I did Miss Maya and Anna. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's crazy. I don't know. Like Joey yeah. asked, asked his sister who was a senior in high school and was like, is your high school like this? And she was like, literally not at all. <laughs> so, I mean, it's hard to say like how much of it is exaggerated and how much of it is true to life. I feel like there's a, there is a mix. There's like parts of it that are really real and there's parts of it that are so yes. outlandish. You know what I think it is? I think it's very real. I think that a lot of these characters are very real. Like, I can think of somebody in my life or my school who relates to each of these characters, but they didn't all go to the same school. I think that might be where it is. These are all versions of real people, but they don't all go to the same school. There's only one fucked up kid in each school. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, But, But, like, I just got to call out that episode five of season two of Euphoria. My Bay Area Queens and Daya deserves every award for that episode alone. Oh, she will sweep all the awards because I personally haven't been as big of a fan of season two as I was season one. But either way, no matter what, Zendaya is giving the performance of her life and she deserves every single award for it. And yeah. um, 
I was, I've never, it's probably one of the most intense hours of television I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> ever experienced, absolutely. And the, you're right, the first four episodes were a little, they were, the tone of them was a little yeah. off. And I was, and I was kind of concerned that we weren't ever going to get closure on some of the storylines that were open in season one. Nothing was really, we weren't addressing things. Now I feel like they're finally starting oh, to get yeah. back to it. But yes. the first the, especially half with of, episode six. Yes, exactly. With episode six and, you know, all that. But the first part, I was like, okay, what about this person? What about their story? What about the, you know, Maddie having a all tape? What about McKay? What about, you know, there's just yeah. so many things that were like right. open in season one that were not addressed at all. And that was like frustrating mm-hmm. to me. I'm like, wait, what happened to that story? What? I don't really care as much about this Nate and Cassie drama. Like, I really don't. Like, I don't know. No. Even though Sydney Sweeney is also giving an amazing performance. She is. People season. are saying that. Yeah. People are saying that she's also like Emmy, you know, material this season, which I agree. I think she's giving yeah. a, a very good performance for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And Maddie is still my queen. Before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want a whole show she's- of just her. I, me too. I want a Maddie spinoff. Yeah. Um, Maddie about you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Maddie? <laughs> okay, we're done. Um, <laughs> on a lighter note, um, Drag Race. It took me a while to get oh, back yeah. into this new season because I haven't watched any of the international seasons that oh happened my God. In between the last and this. So it there took me a while to many. get back into this. Yeah, they're just so many iterations of drag race right now it's just so hard to keep up but um and like we've been talking about the past couple of seasons have just been kind of as talented as some of the contestants are it just was a little too redundant and the queens weren't as fresh as they used to be in the first you know several yeah seasons so yeah but you know what Uh, from what i've seen of this season i think i'm like an episode or two behind um, even okay. though I do, I do know who goes home because I, I work at a restaurant that hosts hosts Drag Race viewings every Friday, so okay. I, I so I'm working while it's going on, so I do know what's going on. Um, yeah. But I actually am kind of enjoying the season. I think that these queens are actually really talented and fun, and I'm really excited to see where we go. I agree. This is definitely a better batch of queens. It's stiff competition, you know. Yeah. And like I said, we've criticized the past couple of casts are being really pretentious but these queens are a little rough around the edges and they're excited yeah. to be there so I'm enjoying watching them. Uh, who are some of your standouts? Mm, I really love Angeria. She's really standing Oh my god. Me. She's funny she's pageantry. She's, ho- she's yes. perfect. Oh yeah and uh, yeah I really love in- Angeria right now. I you know I was rooting for Miss Cornbread but you know what can oh, you do? She'll, she'll be back next season to slay the game so I'm excited for I that. I think she'll be I think she could have a good chance of winning next season. For oh, sure. absolutely. I was a little turned off by her attitude towards Miss um, Miss Jasmine. Miss Jasmine. I was like, girl, what are you doing? Someone needs to tell you to like relax. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Stop writing. Stop breathing. Stop yeah. looking at me. I was like, damn, leave <laughs> damn. her alone. I know. But, other, but hey, you know what? She's human. And, you know, yeah. I love that about her as well. So I'm, I, I'll, I'll be rooting for She's her charming. next season. Top four for me would be Angeria... Um, Willow. I love Willow. Oh, Pill. Willow Pill, I think duh. She's so talented. I could see her winning this season as well because she has a very inspiring story that yeah. I could see being very influential over people that might be in the same predicament as her yeah. as far as like being her, held health. back by a health yeah. issue of some sort. Yeah, I'm really um, loving Willow Pill yeah. for sure. 
talented, super talented. beyond talented. And and always looks great on the runway. Always. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love Georges. She is so cute. So she charming. She's very cute. But she's not going to win. But no. I, not, I hope she makes it far. I shot. hope she makes it far. I like her having her on my television. I also like Bosco. <laughs> she's not really standing out for me. But yeah, if I had to pick not... a top four from what's remaining, I would sure. put her up there. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, why not? Drag Race, it premieres on VH1 and Paramount Plus every Friday. <laughs> yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. And okay, what else do we have next? My new favorite show. Mine which too. Is Pam and Tommy. Oh, I love it so much. I am living for this. Um, you know, I, I really wasn't sure what I was going, what to expect going into this, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't think of Pam and Tommy as being like these characters that you're going to be able to follow and, you know, really fall in love with, but you do. And I really think that comes down to the performances by Lily James and Sebastian Stan. I, I think they're just doing fantastic. They are fantastic. Like Sebastian Stan is great as Tommy Lee. I'm um, yeah. the, the, that prosthetic penis. It's a star. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, the, my biggest eye rolls when it was talking, no. but I mean, when it started talking, that was a little bit, but just seeing him like naked there with that big, huge dick. I yeah. was like, this, I, I'm loving this part yeah, of it. This is what <laughs> dreams are made of. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've seen the Pam and Tommy sex tape, which I have. I have too. Um, uh, it's very close to the real thing. The, the, the oh. penis. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe <laughs> even uh, it, they could have gone further with it. I'm sure. <laughs> Lily James is fully buried into her character Ugh. of Pam Anderson. And she brings, not only does, did they do like incredible work on making her look like Pam just like the amount of prosthetics that she's wearing you would think that she was fucking Freddy Krueger but she's <laughs> but she's cause she has it like doesn't fake, even look like fake yeah it looks flawless but she has like fake boobs over her boobs and a fake forehead fake teeth like 500 tan. yeah tan wigs um yeah and so it's like not only just that transformation but she's bringing so much heart to Pam and like yeah it's just which I like think lovely. is a nice side to see I mean yeah. there was even this incident at work there's a patient with the same name as Pamela Anderson and mm. one so one of my coworkers said isn't it unfortunate that she has the same name as Pamela Anderson I was like <sighs> wow. absolutely not have you not been watching the show yeah I mean because she's, yeah. she's doing such a fantastic job with the peaks and valleys of the character she's making her lovable strong fun everything I imagine Pam Anderson to be because I love me her. too I've always loved Pam. I always thought that she was underrated. And I think that she, I think Absolutely. that she gets a bad rap because she capitalized on her on her sexuality and her body. But also she's like a wonderful humanitarian. And I, and, you know, I, and I think that the angle that they're going with her in the show of like really making her in whether this is true or not, but like wanting the having the desire to like be good at her craft like she wants to be a good actress Mm -hmm. and she's not given the opportunities because people don't take her seriously because they just think of her as being this you know sex object and um you know that's heartbreaking to see and it's probably there's probably a lot of truth there and um you know i i really admire them going that route without and not just exploiting her what happened even further 
you know? Yeah, because it definitely, uh, I could see this being a traumatic experience in someone's life. And I know Pam wasn't happy about this show being made and yeah. wouldn't respond to Lily or the producers feeling like they were going to treat it like a joke, exploit it even further. Yeah. But I kind of imagine that she, if she watched the show, she would appreciate Lily's version of her because yeah. she's treating it with authenticity, respect, and care. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, so far what we have, I think we have like four episodes out right now. And yeah, I, I'm just really enjoying watching this story unfold. I think it's, it, it not only is it just about Pam and Tommy, it, it's really a lot about the early ages of the internet and what, what that did and how they had not, they didn't have any concept of the capabilities of it, of what it could do. And, and, um, that's also fascinating about the show of like exploring the early days of the internet and, you know, and how this ignited the fascination with finding celebrity nudes and sex tapes and this and that. And And the accessibility to porn. And yes, one thing I have fingertips now. Yeah. One. Yeah. Free for free. 30 minutes of just, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, one thing that Miss Lily James said was that her her transformation into Pam was liberating, and she's been rocking some sexy and fabulous outfits in press and red carpet events. So I think that she's taking a little bit of Pam with her because Good. she's been looking stellar lately. Right, and I think that we could all take a little Pam with us, confidence, and you know what? Fuck it, class. I think Pam is class. You know, she's, she's a- class. And she has that beautiful, like, California 90s energy. I love it. Yeah. She said, I'm leaving the cold Canada weather behind, and I'm going to be the quintessential California beach blonde. And I just love Pam. I think she's wonderful. And the real version and Lily's version. So, yes. Yes. Check out Pam And and Tommy on Hulu. Hulu. New episodes every Wednesday? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah it comes out tomorrow. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> so speaking of 90s blonde California, that brings us to our movie this week. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's all about Jake. Jake this, Jake that. Jake, Jake, Jake. <laughs> no, you stupid bitch. I'm talking about Clueless. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. This is absolutely... Without a doubt. I know we say every movie is our favorite movie, but this is, without a doubt, one of our absolute no. favorites. Um, I mean, This I is think one that, of the defining movies for us. Like, we... Yeah, this well, this is part is the, of our vocabulary. Yeah, this is the prototype for us. Like, this movie built us. Yes. We've constantly referred to ourselves as Sharon Dion. <laughs> oh, always. We are. We're Sharon Dion. We're just, like, these, these two yeah. best friends who... Um, are hot, sexy, funny, smart, and taking the world by storm. Absolutely. This is my number two favorite movie of all time. It's one of those that have that's contributed to literally my personality because it's been so influenced by pop culture that yeah. this is like one of those that, you know, made me the person I am today. This is Clueless. I don't know why Dion's going out with a high school boy. They're like dogs. You have to clean them and feed them and... They're just like these nervous creatures that jump and slobber all over you. Ew! Get off of me! Ugh, as if! Clueless, released in 1995, written and directed by Amy Heckerling. 
Our movie begins with a montage of scenes that gives us a peek into the life of Cher Horowitz, played by Alicia Silverstone and her friends. A wealthy, popular teen living in Beverly Hills with a computer that chooses her outfits. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Don't we all have those? She lives with her widowed father, Mel, played by Dan Hedaya, a successful lawyer. Though good-natured, Cher is naive and caught up in a superficial lifestyle revolving around expensive clothes and the social hierarchy of her high school. Her best friend is Dion, played by Stacey Dash, because they both know what it's like to have people be jealous of them. See? That's, <laughs> that's where friends. it is. Yeah. That's what it is. That's, that's what it the is. connection. All right. <laughs> that makes sense. Dion has a similar outlook on life, though she dates a high school boy named Murray, played by Donald Faison, which Cher claims is a pointless endeavor. Cher picks up Dion for school in her classic white Jeep, but she's still learning how to drive as she drives onto curbs and flies through stop signs. (laughs) (laughs) I totally paused. (laughs) Hello, Hello. stop sign. (laughs) At school, Cher is totally bugging when her debate teacher, Mr. Hall, played by Wallace Shawn, gives her a C grade for the semester, adding to her underwhelming report card. At home, Cher finds Josh, played by Paul Rudd, the college-age son of one of Mel's ex-wives, who often stays at the Horowitz home to avoid his mother and new stepfather. Josh is nearly the polar opposite of Cher, an earthy environmentalist with an interest in societal welfare. The two have a generally amiable but lightly contentious relationship. Oh, girl, those are big Oh, my words. God. I didn't even mess up. <laughs> Be careful before you choke on one. <laughs> <laughs> Cher teases Josh about his alternative lifestyle, and Josh criticizes Cher's materialism. Mel openly approves of Josh's self-assurance and focus, encouraging Cher to find similar direction in her life. At the dinner table, Cher reveals her report card was unsatisfactory, but assures her father that it's just a jumping off point to start negotiations with her teachers to raise her grades. Woo! All right! Wow. So this film starts off literally looking like a, like Cher says, a Noxzema commercial. A Noxzema commercial. It's like this montage of her and her friends just like hanging out, laughing, partying. This kind of, this beginning montage encapsulates, <laughs> encapsulates why this movie almost didn't get made. Because originally Amy went to 20th Century Fox and because she had so famously directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High, they yeah. wanted her to make a teen movie, but this time about the popular kids. So she started writing a sitcom that was like, that had an ever changing title and the project eventually became clueless but her agents didn't understand the concept and the pilot kept getting passed on so she got some new agents and they were like this script is too good for a tv show needs to be a movie so she made it a movie and it just was getting passed around like nobody wanted it because of course these male producers are fucking pigs they don't know a good movie if it hit them in the face right they were like there's too many female characters there's not enough sex there's why not make yeah. Josh a bigger role? And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, shut I'm up. Glad she no, stuck I, it out. I know, absolutely, because you know this movie really gives us a lot of really great female characters to follow, and it would be a shame to to have changed that in any way to make it about the men when this is really about the girls, you know, and and the power that girls have within the like the social hierarchy of of high school. You know, yeah, they're always the front and center of anything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at least for me. <laughs> yeah, boys don't care as much about that. While it's, it seems to be, and we've seen it through movie after movie after movie, it seems to be that the girls are the ones that 
um, you know, have this like organized separation of cliques mm-hmm. and everything. It seems like they're they're the ones that that do that. Not that it's like a bad thing, but um, right. it seems like it would make more sense to focus on them because it's really who dictates all of that. Yeah, and something really interesting and empowering about this film is that it passes the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. Have you ever yeah. heard of that? Right? Yeah, the Bechdel yeah. test. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a test that you run a script through that basically it like analyzes the representation of the women in the movie. Yes, if there are more, if they are equal or have more lines than the men in the movie, or if if yeah. what they're talking about, how much of what they're talking about isn't about men. Men, yeah. Yeah, and in 1995, there were like 121 films listed, and only about half of them passed the test, and this was one of them. So, kudos to Clueless. Kudos to Clueless! Yes! I love it. (laughs) Right away, we're introduced to Cher, and I just love Alicia Silverstone in this role. This is perfect for her. I can't imagine... Reese Witherspoon or Sarah Michelle Gellar in this role. I mean, I'm sure they could have done it, but I just, this is, this is who Alicia Silverstone is in my mind. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, she gave an incredible, you know, career driving performance in this. And, you know, I, I think this will always be her, her biggest claim to fame. And it's not for any other reason other than that. She was great. She's great in it. She really nails this character. She not only brings comedy, but she also brings heart to it. She brings charm, yes. and she, and she she knows how to balance it without um, without it feeling too heavy one way or the other. To where she's like unrealistic yes. as being like the the most popular girl in school, or if she's like too bitchy where she's unlikable. Like she really she really finds the balance because at first. Cher comes off as judgmental and shallow, but yeah. she's still completely likable. And I think that's hard to balance. But as a viewer, we're able to balance it ourselves because we all know what it's like to be young and clueless with vapid priorities. But yeah. it it's like we're able to forgive her because of that, because we've been in those shoes. But Alicia is completely adorable in her portrayal, which makes her more likable. Right. No, absolutely. And I think that Cher... She does have a lot of redeeming qualities, but I feel like our, our journey with Cher is that she has yet to figure out how to, to be this charitable person that she wants to be without it fully ser- serving herself. Yes. And I feel like that's the, what a lot of her journey is in this because she does a lot of good things throughout the, yeah. the throughout, throughout the story and she wants to be a good person she wants to be a good person but there's a lot of self-satisfactory in it and there's a lot of and i think that throughout the movie she she learns to you know put that part of it aside and actually think of other people for once as opposed to Mm -hmm. what can i do to help somebody else that's actually going to help me get to where i want to be you know and um, yes so and I think that's a great journey for us to follow. I think it's it's a really grown up or a, it's a really good story about growing up. Yeah, and I think that that is ultimately because she's spearheading this movie. It kind of plays into the overall goal of what Amy Heckerling tried to create because she was so specific in what she wanted out of these characters and who she wanted like like specifically she wanted Dion and Marie to be black because she wanted the central group of friends to be 
multiracial because she said in interviews that this is was creating the world that she wants to live in where even yeah. though this is about the popular kids it's still like they're able to connect to us on a human level and mm. to each other on a human level regardless of their ethnicity or social class or yeah how much money they have um so i think that this all sort of plays into that even shares personality where it's like she's a popular girl and even though we feel like she should be like regina george she's not because this is a pleasant world that we're living in in clueless yeah, she's definitely, even though she is technically like, the most popular girl in school and she's very rich, yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't use her power for evil. You know, this is definitely mm-hmm. somebody who wants to, you know, use their power for good. And I think that comes, um, comes a lot from this idea about her mom, which I never had really thought of until kind of watching it. And, you know, I think that. Josh calls it out at one point where um, he says that it's like the absence of her mother, you know, really has her projecting, especially when it comes to Ty. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that she wants to almost be like this motherly figure where Mm -hmm. she wants to take, she wants to guide people. She wants to help, you know, rear her, these children. She wants to help Ty, you know, who, who she feels like is kind of lost. She wants to guide them in this right direction. And I feel like that's like such a motherly quality and that I feel like because she never knew her mom because she died when she was young. I feel like routine lipo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. During a routine lipo section. Um, I feel like she is, she uses that as, um, almost like a coping mechanism to maybe even feel close to her mom or something like that. Yeah, because what we see a lot even in this intro is her being very concerned and caring for her dad. Her dad. Like making sure he's taking his vitamins and drinking his orange juice and eating a healthy breakfast and things like that. So she is kind of filling the shoes of her mom, not just at home, but also at school with her friends. And Yeah, totally. um, Yeah. And, and that is such like an uh, an interesting way to approach this character because like we said we've seen Heathers at this point we've seen you know the Chris Hargensons and in in these movies right. you know we know what the stereotypical popular blonde girl could be like so to have her kind of act with compassion is refreshing. Yes. Absolutely. She hasn't. She doesn't have it all figured out yet. Obviously, we have a journey to go no. with her in the movie, but at least she's coming from a place of good. Yes, exactly. We have to mention this because, I mean, let's just start with the song "Fashion" by David Bowie starts Fashion. playing as she's picking out her outfit. These kids have a style all their own. Oh, in yeah. a world full of grunge, we have the outfits of Clueless, this hyper preppy 90s fashion. Ugh. The costumes are crucial to the storytelling as well, because there are some iconic costumes in this, but none are as iconic as these plaid outfits. And obviously, oh, yeah. Cher's yellow one is the most referenced, but really, it's part of this set between Cher and Dion. This is a great first introduction to them, because throughout the film, their outfits complement each other, but still yeah. express their differences and in their individual identities. Dion is almost she, as it. Yeah, she's a little more if... Um... Cher and Amber were sort of a, a mix of each other, you know, because she has that, yeah. you know, the preppy style, but she has like those hats, you know, go shopping with Dr. Seuss. Like, you know, she, 
She's not afraid she to add some flair. She takes it one step further, but yes. she but she pulls it back before it gets to Amber's level. Yes, which exactly. Which is just complete tackiness. Yes, <laughs> which is just absolute, yeah, chaos. What she's wearing all the yeah, time. Yeah, but Mona May created some of these on her own, and she started some amazing trends with this movie that are still worn today and that yeah. obviously inspired some of the films that she worked on later like Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion yes, Xenon Never Been Kissed oh my God. yeah and even we were talking about this earlier but you know the 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 source material for Clueless was Jane Austen's Emma and in yeah. the new uh, version of that with Miss Anya Taylor-Joy she's wearing that like an iconic yellow that feels like it's from yes. this movie. Yeah, it does. It feels, which is nice. It's nice to know that Clueless is considered among the iterations of Emma because there's a million. There's, you know, this new one with Anya Taylor-Joy, the Gwyneth Paltrow version, BBC versions. There's a lot of versions of Emma out there. Like most Jane Austen period pieces. You know, there's like 8 trillion versions. <laughs> but it's nice to know that Clueless is up is like ranked in with them i think that's really nice because it really is really similar like i think they followed a Mm -hmm. lot of the story very well but still made it modern and you know brought it to the 90s um which is not an easy thing to do and but it translates super well yeah speaking of dion i know we won't talk about her very much miss stacy dash because she's sort of lost her way and you know she's homophobic and we, we don't support that over here at no, we don't, yeah we don't support but, Stacey Dash no but I will say that um, Amy Heckerling wrote Dion with the idea that you know she knows she's beautiful and that she has this essence of royalty and I do think that Stacey Dash in this movie does translate that well um, so just to get that out there there yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that Stacey Dash is a beautiful woman and she plays Dion very well. I re- and there will be times when, you know, I will praise some of the things she does because she's very funny in this. She's very funny in this. You she, know. she definitely adds to the iconic status of this movie with her performance. Yeah. Regardless of who she is in real right, life. Exactly. It's, it's, I just, yeah. I'm going to imagine that she just is Dion. Yeah. That's how that I would be a better world. It's exactly <laughs> how I feel about Miss Christy Swanson and Buffy. It's like the same situation. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, it sucks because you're like, you, you, you love these characters and you love these movies so much, but then you're like, damn. So we get some really uh, iconic, um, language here we like this this movie created literally created when i say created i mean created a language of its own there are terms in here that would never were referred used before this for what they are talking about like um they refer to like hot boys as baldwins and hot girls as bettys and ugly boys as barneys (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally bugging. I still say that sometimes. I oh, mean, bugging. I say we, you know, we always go hello, hello. I say as if on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah whatever. I mean, as I feel if. like whatever was probably like, around. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. Used in this way, I, I think this is something that this movie introduced. It was like, um, oh, whatever. Yeah, like, absolutely. Please. As if, <laughs> yeah. I'm totally oh my gosh, bugging. Yeah, totally bugging. That's totally one that is. Uh, that's straight from that's this part movie. of my regular vocabulary yeah and this movie did i mean the influence that this that this language had on society is crazy like just pop culture blew up. everybody yeah. knows as if and when they think of as if they think of this absolutely. movie absolutely 
I, I do. Every time I say it, I'm like, God, Clueless really is just yeah, just as part of just me. as much <laughs> as Mean Girls did, Clueless did too. Absolutely, more so. And I think some people probably don't even realize that. Yeah, absolutely. That there were, I mean, that that's what these movies did. These I I call them yeah, like the the trifecta of Heather's you know clueless and mean girls like they really changed how we speak yeah it's funny because the as over the top as the vocabulary is and the fact that a lot of these words were made up for this movie everyone delivers it pretty naturally like i think the casting is fantastic across the board with the wrong actors this movie could have bombed like even like you said heathers that vocabulary is also very over the top and sometimes it feels a little unnatural in the way they deliver it. Yeah. That never happens here for me. Yeah. Like I can listen to, to Dion say I'm cavelling and I'm like, yeah, (laughs) like whatever the fuck that means. She is. (laughs) She's absolutely cavelling. Whatever the fuck that means. And like, I buy it. It's because they, it's so natural. It's not like they're calling attention to like, here's this new word. They're just, it just is natural. It's naturally flowing off their tongues. And, um, that's brilliant. That's brilliant work. Some of the other characters that we meet in this uh, opening are Josh, played by Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. who, which is an interesting character. We'll we'll develop into him a little bit more later. But yeah. Paul Rudd actually auditioned for every male role before deciding yeah. he was okay being Josh, including Murray, <laughs> including <laughs> Murray, which he thought was a white guy trying to be a rapper. But <laughs> they were like, "No, sweetie, we wrote this for a black actor." Yeah, I mean, yeah, thank God that didn't happen. But um, pe- most people think that this is Paul Rudd's first film, but it really wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was Halloween <laughs> Six, but, yes. but but that came out after. Yes, um, you know, obviously. But yes, yeah. What a mess, right? I know, <laughs> I know. But some we, of like the early casting choices for these characters are so interesting. Yeah, like Reese Witherspoon being really close to to getting share. Sarah Michelle Gellar was also Sarah, considered, and she was she Cher. was considered for Amber. Uh, oh, Amber. Uh, well, I heard she was for Cher too. Oh, great. I love it. But um, maybe Lauren, Lauren Hill was considered for for, for Dion. Dion. And um, Dave Chappelle and Terrence Howard were considered for Murray. And then what's her uh, Alana what's her name? Oh, Alana I don't know how to say her last name. Ubach, Alana Ubach. She was oh, yes, considered yes, yes. from for Ty who plays Lexi and Cassie's mom on Euphoria. Yes. She would have been great too. From she the great from too. the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> oh, that's her. <laughs> yes, yes, she's the lesbian in in the Brady Bunch movie. Oh, oh my God, she is a chameleon. <laughs> oh, she is so good. You never she's really legally blonde. Also, yes, right? she's yes, she plays Serena, one of the one of the sorority sisters. Wow, is what that a crazy? great actress. <laughs> oh, she's so yeah. good. You would never know that she's playing the mom on Euphoria. Okay, <laughs> speaking of Murray, Murray's an asshole. Okay, but oh, yeah. <laughs> their their relationship is definitely toxic, but not going to lie, a lot of their arguments remind me of me and Andre. <laughs> Just petty nonsense. Yes, the, the one, like, later on when he's like, look at the numbers on the top. There aren't any numbers. There are letters. Yeah. <gasps> like that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeepin'. Jeepin'. Um, also, this movie has an amazing soundtrack. Definitely, like, you know, yeah. iconic. Not just, to, not specific to just the 90s, either. 
Yeah, I'm gonna be. Yeah, Kids in America, um, Fashion by David Bowie, Just a Girl by No Doubt, Shoot yeah. by Salt and Pepper. Oh yeah. Roll, you know, we'll get to the other ones, but Rolling with My Homies by Coolio. <laughs> like, there's some really good songs in this that aren't just specific to the '90s, but sort of everything that came before then too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so then at the end of the section, we get um, a little bit of Cher's tactics and what she, how she's manipulate she's a bit of a manipulator yeah and it starts off in the story with her grades yeah right before it, before it moves on to people we we get the first taste of it with her grades so basically she has a lower than she probably wants grade in her debate class and um yes. she uses this opportunity to argue her way or like manipulate her way into uh changing her grade and um, I know we haven't gotten fully there yet, but um, I think just the fact that her dad's a lawyer, she has a lot of, uh, yeah. she's a lot of an aggressive in her, lawyer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like in her, it's in her genes. It's in her blood to be, um, to argue. you know, argumentative and to win a case. She like thinks of it as winning a case. And um, yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that's such a fun quality to bring to her character. And I think that it really um, bonds her and her dad a lot. Yeah, and it's one of the first um, subjects, like you said, subjects that happens in this movie that sort of makes this movie feel like a TV show because she goes through like yeah. three major things throughout yeah. this movie, and this is the first one. So it yeah. does kind of feel like that. It does kind of feel like episodic. Like we're it like does. The first episode and the second episode. Yeah, it, it is. That the is third, true. Yeah, that's a funny way to think about it. But yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> And so let's get to the first episode. <laughs> All right. Back at school, Cher puts her plan into action. She manages to better her grades in every class except for Mr. Hall's debate class. Cher and Dion hit the mall to relax where they hatch a plan to find a romantic interest for Mr. Hall, thus hypothetically making him happy enough to consider boosting their grades. They select another teacher, Miss Geist, played by Twink. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you just call me? What'd you... What? Excuse me? Twink? <laughs> I'm played, an otter. <laughs> I'm a daddy. Just kidding. <laughs> played by Twink Kaplan as the prime candidate and spark a mutual interest between her and Mr. Hall with a forged love letter and some subtle manipulation. The teachers soon become a couple and both become much more lenient with their grading. Cher works her grade up to an A-, minus, greatly impressing her father. Furthermore, she's happy to see Mr. Hall and Miss Heist have found love, leading her to want to do more good deeds. In P.E. class, the girls are introduced to new student Ty Frazier, played by Brittany Murphy. R.I.P. R.I.P. My my little queen. A grungy artist with a trusty disposition and clueless grasp of high school popularity. Sharon Dion befriend Ty, and Cher is inspired to give her a makeover to improve her social standing. Cher leads Ty in after-school workout sessions, guides her in cultivating a new wardrobe, and expands her lexicon with trendy vocabulary. Josh disapproves of Cher's project with Ty, accusing her of treating Ty like a Barbie doll because she grew up without a mother, but Cher insists that she's rescuing her from the harsh reality of adolescence. Cher's plan to make Ty popular is working, however, Ty sparks up a crush on cheerful skateboarding stoner Travis Birkenstock, played by Brecken Meyer. 
Cher, fearing for Ty's reputation, attempts to steer her towards the rich, popular, newly single Elton, played by Jeremy Sisto. Oh my god. Okay, first of all, this report card. Who the fuck is Cher Hamilton? I know, I saw that. Yeah, what a joke. I was like, is that her, like, her alias? What is happening? (laughs) It's a pretty big mistake. Because also there's a piece of mail that says Melvin Hamilton for her father. Oh my god. I'm like, who are these people? But okay, whatever. What a weird goof. Have you caught, like, her teacher comments and her report card? Oh yes, I did read those. Some were like, needs discipline or what do they say yeah yeah wouldn't dissect a frog oh yeah (laughs) unprepared undisciplined excellent vocabulary like definitely explaining who Cher is yeah for sure excellent vocabulary (laughs) I think Miss Geist and Mr. Hall's romance is so cute especially in these beginning stages yeah absolutely and I think that they I think that what Cher and Dion are doing it has good has a good outcome is it for is it self-serving absolutely but i mean you know what you gotta do what you gotta do they're two innocent adult human beings who you know could benefit from you know maybe an uh, an increase in their love life and why not play matchmaker (laughs) it's a little troublesome i'm sure but it turns out to be great so Cher did a really good job right and this is like a a lot of good parallel to emma because the story of emma is about a girl who who fancies being a matchmaker and so (laughs) you know having Cher, (laughs) yeah she fancies being a matchmaker Uh, having Cher (laughs) use matchmaking as a tool in order to get what she wants really uh you know coincides with that original story and it works oh it works one of my favorite lines i have to call it out is so is um when Sharon and Dion poem. are yes, they're the poem, <laughs> and she's like, and you know, uh, Dion reads like this beautiful Shakespearean poem, and like she's like, "Fat, did you write that?" She was, "Duh, it's like a famous <laughs> quote." She was from where? Cliff's Notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is that a dated so reference? I don't know, but it's very funny. It's very funny for people who know what it is. <laughs> yeah, who know what Cliff's Notes are? <laughs> it's so good. Meanwhile, you probably have people younger than us being like, Cliff's Notes, and you gotta Cliff's read that notes. book. They're like, what the fuck um, is that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, her plan works. She gets an A- in debate class. But also, Miss Guys doesn't even give out homework, and I love the way she writes Have Fun for homework. Oh my god. <laughs> she, do you remember that feeling when a teacher would do that in high school? Oh Yes. Oh, oh my, my god. god. You're like, the party is on this weekend. Yes. Especially like in high school and stuff, when like it magically lined up that you yeah. couldn't have homework like across the board. Oh, like, oh my god! I'm free. Or for me, once I got an independent study and like I could do my homework after class in like one hour. <laughs> oh my I'd god! Like, what a dream! Wow, I have the next six days to myself because I only went to school once a day <laughs> or once uh, a week. <laughs> I, once a day. <laughs> I went oh several times a day. <laughs> Let me tell you what I never did in high school though. I never had homework PE, ever. Oh. <laughs> I never had PE in middle school or high school. Really. I always found an alternative because uh, I hate PE. I mean, yeah, PE. Wow. What? Uh, well, you know, my plastic surgeon didn't want me to do any activity where balls fly at my nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes your social life. I love that PE Another scene great too. Um, it's so good. They're, oh yeah. What is this uniform though? Like what uniform? Black they and white. But there's no. I'm like, is this Destiny's like Child? A, like everybody yeah. has like a different version of the same outfit. Everyone, it's like a, it's like a mutual understanding throughout the school that. But I, you can't tell me that Beverly Hills can't afford to provide PE uniforms. 
I know. They they must. <laughs> they're like you can all afford to just bring your own athleisure before athleisure was a thing. <laughs> yeah, and then you have Ty come in. Ty, Miss Brittany Murphy. Oh she my comes god, in. she's so cute. Definitely, I'm... the way she dresses is way more indicative of the nineties. Oh yeah, of that grunge culture. I love when they. I love when she first comes in and the PE teacher introduces her, and they all just glare at her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, you can hit a few balls in those clothes. She, she could be, be a, a farmer, farmer in those, those clothes. clothes. <laughs> and then I love it. Sharon Dion just like glare at Amber. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> they look at her like, really? Uh, the so- principal who brings Ty out to the PE class is the real Mr. Hall. Oh my gosh. When oh, Amy yeah. Heckerling was researching this movie, she would go to... Um, Beverly Hills High School and she would sit in the back of the class in Mr. Hall's debate class and the principal is the real Mr. Hall. Wow, that's amazing. Imagine like going to Beverly Hills High School and be like, oh, there's just like a, you know, a film writer director who's going to be just hanging out and observing all of you. What a weird experience. Okay. Like, whatever. whatever. (gasps) Write it down, write it down, write it down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god, whatever, whatever. Oh my god, what did she Uh, say? (laughs) Brittany Murphy is so adorable as time. She is Ty. so cute and she's so clueless. I love it. I, you know, and I think it's really interesting that there is really no underlying motive for why they want to help her. Why Sharon Dion like decide that they want to help this girl become popular. It seems to be like it is inspired from the goodness of their hearts well mostly share dion doesn't really want to <laughs> yeah our stock would plummet yeah um, <laughs> like, don't you want to use your popularity for good no <laughs> no yeah well you know i think it's almost like one of those things where when you have a new student come to class and somebody's like assigned to be like their yeah their buddy tour guide essentially their buddy yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the things that Amy Heckerling was saying in interviews is that Sh- Cher wants everything to be nice for everybody. Like she's living in this fantasy where she believes everyone is capable of being the best versions of themselves. And sometimes all they need is a makeover, but uh, also somebody yeah. to kind of guide them, help navigate them. This is a new student and, you know, she's not going to do this for just anybody, but she's seeing somebody come in and like kind of scared and nervous and she takes her under her yeah. wing and, Right. Overall, the this movie kind of reflects this world more so than reflecting reality, and more so reflects the world that Cher is living in in her head, where everything is bright yeah. and vibrant and beautiful and exaggerated, and um, she yeah. wants everybody to be that way. And she sees Ty, and Ty so made under that she's like, "Yeah, I know what we can do." <laughs> right. Well, and that's also like a full-on power flex, you know, like True. she, you know, because I think that she has. I don't want to say control issues, but I feel like this is like her little queendom. She's the queen of high school. She's popular. She's rich. She's beautiful. And I feel like, I don't want to say she looks down on Ty, but she like want, she's like, I have the power to change this girl's life. Why wouldn't I use my power for good, you know, to, to help her. And so, yeah. you know, there is still a part of share that, that needs to learn to, you know, be accepting of people who the way they are, are. Yeah, the way they are, or, you know, or, and not... Which she learned. Which she, she learned, learned, of course, absolutely. You just said Cher, you know, being the most popular girl in school and, like, you know, rich and beautiful. I almost feel like she doesn't realize that she's all of those things. And no, that I, when she does these these things, like, take Ty under her wing, it's very intimidating. And, like, but she doesn't see it that way. 
But from the yeah. other side of things, I think it would be a little scary to have this girl come in and like change, right. change the way I look and dress right. and talk and, you know, make me exercise. Yeah, she also like kind of threatens Ty over her little crush on Travis. She's like, you wouldn't want that to, you know, reflect poorly on you, basically, is what she says. Like, you want to date that stoner over there? She's like, you either, <laughs> yeah. you know, you either are part of us. And, you know, and I make your life fabulous or you can go over there with the stoners on the grassy knoll and be fried all day, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to spark up a doobie at a party, but but it's another thing to be fried all day. Get the difference? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's one of the things that Amy Heckerling incorporated into the storytelling as well, where it's not money that separates these characters because Ty sort of... Um, who knows? Yeah, we don't really is... ever know what her financial situation is it's kind of hard to imagine because travis and ty don't seem rich but they go to beverly hills high so how you know underfunded could they be but um it sort of seems like i mean amy heckerling intentionally made this different from emma in that it's not money that defines a person it's more so their actions what they do like and so Cher looks down on travis for smoking weed all day because it's not something that she would do and i think she notices that they seem to be unmotivated yeah. a little more than she and so that's what separates them more so than it is class because eventually she becomes friends with all of these people yeah exactly she has this like sense of and we and you and i kind of talked about this personally uh, the difference between Cher and emma or uh, but and the similarities between them is that they are a bit of know-it-alls um, I think yeah. their appro- their approach seems to be a little different, um, and like, but I feel like Cher feels like she has this sense of maturity that maybe she doesn't really have yet, <laughs> but she likes yeah. to act like it. Like we said, going back to the mother thing, like it's that motherly kind of taking under the wing. Like even when she like gives her advice, and she's like, um, she's like, Ty, when's your birthday? She's like, May. Well, my birthday's April, so someone older. <laughs> yes. Let me give you some advice. So it's like, she has a sense that she is more mature than everybody. That she hasn't figured it out. She hasn't figured out. Which, does yeah. she really? No, she's a high school student. Because sometimes it's off-putting. You yeah. Know, with the, the things that she suggests, like changing Ty's uh, accent. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We really got to work on your accent. <laughs> yeah. Men are from Mars, women, women are from, from Venus. Venus. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love her little accent. I can really do with an herbal refreshment. Oh, uh, well, we don't have tea or anything, but we have Coke and stuff. No shit, you guys got Coke here? Yeah, this is America. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love that. I love that. I love that. I, I also love when Murray is like, it says that, you know, fast little quip too. Oh, yeah. Um, but not necessarily misogynistic undertones um, or whatever he says. Yeah. <laughs> and then like yeah. he runs off. Wow, you guys talk like adults here. No, you guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, grown-ups. Grown-ups, not even adults. Well, this is a really good school. (laughs) Like, Like, I know, we do talk really well here. (laughs) Just brilliant delivery. (laughs) But, yeah, it shows that she's a little, you know... uh, She's a little unaware. She's kind of... She's in the bubble. She she is the queen of the kingdom, you know? She's in the Beverly Hills bubble. Yeah, she's in the Beverly Hills bubble, and, and I don't think she has a sense of the real world yet you know no and uh but it'll come maturity hasn't fully hit her yet she has control of her kingdom 
and um, she is about to lose control as soon as everybody starts, you know, rising to the top mm. past her <laughs> and not doing what they want, what she wants them to do. Yes, yes, exactly. Through a series of orchestrated interactions, Cher gets Ty and Elton to notice each other. Ty is giddy with excitement, and while Elton is surprisingly receptive, he pays much more direct attention to Cher. Cher and friends attend a party in the valley. Once again, Cher attempts to ignite a romance between Ty and Elton. She believes that they make a connection when Ty is knocked unconscious with a projectile shoe. And Elton (laughs) (laughs) That's a hilarious way to say that. I know. She believes that they make a connection when Ty is knocked unconscious with a projectile shoe, and Elton revives her with an ice pack and proceeds to dance with her. However, when leaving the party, Cher winds up being driven home by Elton, who makes a pass at her by forcing her to kiss him, confirming that he is not interested in Ty because he is a snob and a half and does not believe Ty meets his standards. She is shocked and repulsed, rejecting Elton, which causes him to abandon her in a liquor store parking lot far from home. She is immediately mugged at gunpoint and has her purse and cell phone stolen, forcing her to ruin her dress and and call Josh for a payphone to ask for a lift. Later, Cher breaks the news to Ty that Elton is not interested in her. She and Dion take Ty out to distract her from the heartbreak. They go out to eat where their discussion turns to their preferences and boys. Cher shies away when the conversation becomes about penises and sex. It is revealed that Cher is a virgin because she's picky and is waiting until she meets the right guy. Meanwhile, Ty is not a virgin and Dion has done mostly everything but full sex with Murray. Back in debate class, a new student arrives, the suave, retro-loving, handsome Christian played by Justin Walker. Cher is taken with him immediately and considers breaking her rule of never dating a high school boy. Ooh. Yes. Cute. Okay. Cute. cute. All right. I would date Elton too. Elton. I would date Elton. Elton. I love his, his like, I love Jeremy's sister's like deep voice. Uh, it's really singing. sexy. Turn away, turn the cranberries, away. yeah. Yes. <laughs> turn away. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, this is shocking. I'm like, is this for his dad singing? Know, high school boy. <laughs> you know, he was married during this movie. Really? Yeah, some of them are old as hell. Fucking Stacey Dash was 29 when she when she was in this movie. <laughs> she was movie. 10 years older than Brittany and Alicia when filming That's, this movie. I know, she's probably like, this is so awkward. I'm like, hanging with these girls and doing this movie <laughs> she's like i'm convelling <laughs> i'm convelling yeah okay leading up to this vow party we get some really great moments that we always reference which one yeah. of them is dion being at the mall and <laughs> telling them that they're going to the vow party and she's talking and Cher gets distracted and starts telling ty where you know what's going on and hello anyway <laughs> yeah. the whole crew is going to this party tonight yeah. <laughs> Hello. I know. And, and we love that part so much. We uh, incorporated it into our uh, intro for season two. Season three. Season oh. two. <laughs> Wasn't it season two? I don't know. You'll have to go back and listen to some of the previous episodes <laughs> to learn. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I know. Yeah. So I, I love that part. I, lo- I love when um, Ty is sitting in the chair for dinner and then the dad comes up. He's like, get out of my chair. And she's like, like, daddy, this is Ty. Get out of my chair. <laughs> yeah. She like, oh. jumps up. So good. <laughs> All right. So um, let me see. What are some big things that happen in this section? So they, uh, they get to this party and Murray shaves his head and Dion's all upset. 
what am I going to tell my grandkids? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love this when they when they first walk into the party. I'm like, ooh, this is how I want to walk into every party, like dancing like she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, the dancing at this party is so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Everybody is having their own groove. Amber's over there. She's all, oh my God. <laughs> Say, Ambular, was that you going through my laundry? As if, like, I'd really buy anything from Judy's. <laughs> Do you prefer Fashion Victim or Ensemble Challenged? <laughs> <laughs> what a clone. <laughs> 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 this is so good. Oh my god, I love everything in this. And then, of course, a Miss Brittany Murphy just shaking her shoulder. <laughs> yes. And she gets hit with this projectile shoe. <laughs> oh, I love that, the, first of all, that it's a Christmas party. That's hilarious. I never realized that until recently that there's like Christmas lights and Santas. And yeah. I'm like, so it's actually really funny because Mona May, exactly. You don't realize this is a Christmas party at first. Yeah. Feel like a, Summer leaving with that snowman. It's her, right? Leaving yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Mona May with the costuming, because it's California, you know, the weather doesn't really ever. Yes. We don't have winter here. The coldest it gets is like 67. Literally. Especially down where you live in Southern yeah. California. So like she said that the way that her and Amy decided to translate the time changing throughout the year was to have everyone wear these color palettes and not so much the leads, but more so the, the extras in the background, the kids at the school where when it's fall, they wear oranges, yellows and reds. And then when it's Christmas, they wear a lot of reds and greens and and colors because they can't translate because it's California, they are not yeah. really translating. We don't have what seasons. season it is. They can't wear coats and you know, you know, snow jackets. Like you know, so you don't really realize at first she's wearing like a mini dress. Yeah, she's wearing like a <laughs> like a red mini dress and ties and like some plaid, like red plaid. Like, uh, but then you have Dion who's in this like sort of tropical looking outfit. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because then it when it jumps to the end of this section, it, they're all wearing pastels because it's spring now. Spring, yeah. So yeah, there's ti- this huge ti- chunks of time that are you know pulled from the movie to like yeah. speed up the storytelling, of course. Yeah. But it's indicative in their clothing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, we so this is where we get uh, a lot of Ty and Elton. This storyline. This again. Yes. So now Cher, in her scheming ways, she's like, okay, how do mm. I? How do I improve Ty's high school cue? She's like, you got to date a really popular guy. And she, and I think she's trying to do it to steer her away from Travis because she's like concerned about her reputation. She's one for dating this like, you know, stoner loser. And so yeah. she, so she gets into her matchmaker ways and she's like, okay, here we go. And she starts trying to manipulate this situation to where, um, you know, Elton will notice Ty and she has a lot of tricks under her sleeve. So we get to this party. She's like, you know, I, you know, start, you know, laughing when nothing's funny and, you know, doing yeah. a laugh. Pretend and Travis like, said something funny. Yes. Was Elton's walking up. And, <laughs> yes. And, but that sort of throws a wrench in her plan too, is Travis being around because yes. Travis and Ty do have a connection and he keeps trying to talk to her and she's like, get away. And he, yeah. of course, spills, spills, uh, soda or drink on her on her shoes on her satin (laughs) shoes ruin my satin shoes why don't you (laughs) yeah and so yeah he's sort of this wrench in her plan and he won't 
like leave you won't leave her alone and it's like frustrating <laughs> Cher because you know she like I said she has all these tricks up her sleeve um because she and because she, she is good at what she does she is good at the matchmaking yeah. thing and um before all this party happened you know she the first day that Ty showed up at school after her makeover. She's already trying to put Ty in photo shoots with all these friends of hers, which I feel so bad for Ty because she's like, I know. doesn't know any of these people. She's like, she's out of place. Up. Yeah, she's so out of place. But you and know. why is Amber in there with I her know. wired hair? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, for some, you know, we see a lot of like tension between Amber and Cher. Obviously, they have maybe some sort of rivalry or something, but mm-hmm. they seem to hang out a lot. I think the underlying story is that Amber and Cher probably were friends at some point, but over time, Amber sort of secretly looking up to Cher starts to incorporate things that Cher does into her own life, but like makes it tacky. And I think it's just sort of off-putting for Cher. So she just distances herself from her and is like, (laughs) what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Annoyed. I know. I love that that part where she's like, is anybody else even listening? I thought it reeked. uh, (laughs) I think that's just your designer imposter perfume. (laughs) She waves it away. <laughs> yeah, she waves it away. <laughs> um, Ty's trying to impress Elton, and yeah. she gets hit in the head with the shoe. Oh, I was going to say the picture moment. I feel like the picture oh, moment oh, is, okay. is a direct reference to the story in Emma that happens. Oh. But basically, Elton <laughs> has the picture of Ty hanging in his locker. So Cher is going full force with this, thinking like she's doing good work. She's got it. She's like, okay, it's working. Yeah. So now we're at the party. The shoe happens. Yeah. I think the interesting dynamic with that, now that you mention it with the picture and stuff, is that Cher's like, he has a picture of you hanging in his locker. And what's really funny is that Cher does have this naive quality about her, especially yeah. because she is an experienced, at least romantically, romantically and yeah. sexually. Whereas Ty has done everything. Ty is very sexually experienced. Yeah. And so it's funny that Ty is still giddy and impressed and excited about this even though she's been through this. She's been yeah. there, done that. But Cher's made it exciting for her. I also think it's probably the, maybe the type of guy that she's never experienced before. Ah, it seems like maybe, maybe like the guys that she's, you know, probably connects with more are more of the Travis brand. But, you know, to have the possibility yeah. of being with like the hot, rich high school guy, popular guy, it's probably something completely new to Ty. You know, this mm-hmm. is a completely different world, different group group of people. And so she probably has no idea how to navigate these people. And so she's really relying on Cher, you know, yeah. whispering in her ear to, you know, make this work for her. Yeah. And it is a different world for Ty because uh, now we're finally to it. Yeah. She gets hit in the head with this shoe trying to be cute dancing in front of Elton. Yeah. <laughs> and these, this is a really fun little understated quote where she's like if it's a concussion you have to keep her conscious okay ask her questions what's seven times seven Steph she knows (laughs) so good and then she sits up and hits her head on the on the bulb (laughs) on the light on the light on the light yeah so and then it suddenly turns into a musical (laughs) oh my god yeah it's just like he's like uh, he's like can you sing this part let's go dance yeah He's all rolling with the homies. And she's like, rolling with the homies. She's like, yeah, I got it. And they're like, yeah. let's go dance. Yeah, and we're like, that's not how that song goes. <laughs> Cher eventually, they all have to leave the party, which is another great little series of quotes where Mel calls her on the phone and she's oh, yeah. walking through this tragic party and he's like, where are you? 
uh, I'm just having a snack at my girlfriend's. Where? In Kuwait? Oh, yeah. The, the, helicopter. the helicopter is above that. <laughs> when he says, where in Kuwait? It's funny. And then she goes, is that in the valley? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that in the valley? He's like, I want you home in and 20 goes, minutes. It might take me longer to get home than that. Everywhere yeah. in LA takes 20 minutes. <laughs> and that is so true. That is like the truest statement when you're in LA anywhere you go it's like 20 minutes no matter how far you're going <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god so then we have um we have Elton driving Cher home she tries her hardest she tries her hardest to get Elton to take Ty home but um he's resistant he ends up taking her home he ends up taking Cher home after they played this game of suck and blow um where he kisses oh Cher and so yeah. um now we get this scene in this car where it's like the fucking plan has failed and she didn't realize it's it. Failed. Yeah. And this is plays into what I was talking about earlier with Amy Heckerling, not wanting money to be a defining factor in the school's hierarchy. But we see that money is important to Elton and Cher calls him out on it for being a snob and a half. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> um, you are a snob and a half. Yeah. But it's like, just like she wanted the characters to be multiracial and mixed in with characters from different backgrounds, different financial classes, like Ty and Travis, like we were saying. Yeah. Um, what separates them from Cher isn't money. It's her her style and Travis's drug use and stuff like that that separates them. But this and Elton, this is actually a quality that she doesn't like. Like somebody flaunting their money where yeah. like you said we she knows she's rich I'm sure but she doesn't use it as a means to be the queen bee of her school right. she's not using that as a tool or a mechanism yeah. to have friends and be yeah. influential and yeah. when somebody does do that it turns her off she's like yeah, no, she, you're a she, snob and a half and she's not attracted to that that's not the quality that she is attracted to she's attracted to what seems like maturity that's why she wants to date a college guy because they have, you know, a, a more mature emotional capacity than these high school boys, you know. And this one is would a, hope, yeah. One would hope. So yeah, it has nothing to do with like I want to be with this guy because he's rich. It's like I want to be with college boys because they're just, it's a you know a personal choice every woman has to make for herself. So, um, yeah. So, so she I, turns him down, and he's a yeah. fucking asshole. And leaves her in a fucking liquor store. Yes, by. and I used to live five minutes away from this liquor store oh my god the clown one that's yes, in all the movies Cir- and commercials liquor. yeah in the movie she <laughs> says it's in sun valley but it's actually in north hollywood where i lived for mm. a year and um i every time i drove by i call it the clueless liquor store every time the clueless like, liquor store. i was like oh my god there it is and then um yeah i would just stand in the parking lot and wait to get robbed and it never happened <laughs> <laughs> were you wearing an alaya <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's a, like a totally important designer <laughs> when um amy wrote this into the script it was actually based on a story that she heard of a guy whose wife made him wear designer clothes and he was robbed and they told him to get on the ground and in the story she was hearing at this party they were like yeah and he was getting robbed and they were like get on the ground he was like but this is Armani. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So that's actually a true story. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. That's hilarious. Oh my god, I love it. Um, but this is probably so traumatizing. Like, it really does like show the difference. I have a friend between... who was robbed at gunpoint. Oh my. Oh, I'm sure. And she just stared at him and opened the cash register and gave him the money because she was like, yeah. "I'm not fucking dealing with this. I'm not shit. fucking dying. I'm not getting shot for this money. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah. Hell no." 
but it, you do really see the difference like of the trauma that she goes through here com- compared to what Ty goes through at the mall later on. Um, this is actually traumatic. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the real trauma. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then this is when uh, we start getting a little more connection between Josh and Cher. You know, she has to call him. She's relying on him. She's the, He's the only person that she can think of that will have her back and not rat her out to her dad. And, you know, mm-hmm. and so she she calls Josh, her her ex-stepbrother, um, <laughs> to come get her. And he's, like, making out with some lame college some girl, loser. some drab girl. Yeah, yeah. some artsy fartsy bitch and i love their interaction in the car you really see the difference great. between you know this like really pretentious art school snob and then you know share with her you know very yeah but she gets to showcase that she's smart in her own way she's like you know spitting all these big words just like hamlet like, quoting hamlet yeah to thine own or whatever to thine but own no, self hamlet be true yeah exactly yes. <laughs> Exactly. And I think that, you know, we underestimate Cher. We think that she's stupid. She's not stupid. She, no. She, she, she just has her own way of yes. getting the facts. You know, yes. she didn't read Hamlet, but she definitely watched the movie because Mel Gibson was in it. Exactly. And that's <laughs> why we relate to her. Exactly. <laughs> Reading books? Yeah, I no. don't think so. I'll wait but for the we'll movie. We'll definitely know the movie. <laughs> 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 I have a question. Speaking of movies that we love, is Heather's apartment Cotton Weary's apartment? It looks a lot like it. It looks just like it. I wonder. And I have to think, I think that it is. We're going to say it I is. I want these worlds to be connected, yeah. Um, yes. Imagine. <laughs> a serial killer on the loose and shares it. Okay, wait a minute. Good news. The Clueless TV show that was in development got dropped last year. Thank God. Because they were trying no. to use the characters of Clueless. Like, there was going to be a Cher, there was going to be a Dion, but Dion was going to be the main character because Cher goes missing in a Riverdale-esque oh, mystery no. thriller. Oh, no. Girl, is- that is what was being developed, and they drew- and for Peacock, and Peacock was like, no. And so they dropped it. And then they decided to do Fresh Prince of Bel-Air instead. Right, which I'm going to give a, a try. I'm, gonna give it I'm definitely not. That looks. Terrible. I would rather see those characters go to a dramatic turn than these characters. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But honestly, yeah. I'm not. That, that don't looks... touch the classics. Don't touch the don't classics and ruin the them classics. like this. What the hell? <laughs> so Cher um, tells Ty that Elton's not interested in her, and she goes through this like meltdown, kind of like a meltdown. Which I'm like, why is she upset? I, I mean, I get it. She's kind of excited about it, but. Yeah, she's upset now, and so we get these characters, and they get a little bit more racy in this um, scene because then they start talking about Dion and Ty connect in a way, which we'll see even later, um, and the fact that they're a little bit more sexually experienced than Cher, and then we get to really see Cher's vulnerability because yeah. she hasn't been there with in in that regard. Yeah, she has. She can't speak from a place of you know, knowing, you know, she can't speak like I've been there, done that because she's hasn't been there and done that. Yeah. And because <laughs> it's all starts with Ty saying that, you know, I don't care what, how many muscles a guy has as long as his, you know, dick isn't crooked. Yeah. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And this is kind of where this transition happens of Cher 
realizing that she doesn't know at all. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she doesn't know at all that there are people that do have experiences that she cannot guide them on. She can't be the mother of everybody in these in these in every situation. You know, right. Um, I have a question. Do you think that Dion is talking about that she's done anal? <laughs> I think that's what this is. I keep my man satisfied, what? but technically, I'm a virgin. Right. I think she's. Um, I think she's talking about, and then she throws the the pretzel at Cher as if she's like <laughs> yeah, she's ratting all, her out for. Like, Shh, be quiet. I thought she was talking more about oral sex. Or, but I don't feel like she would be fingering. as ashamed. You think so? I think she's. I think they're talking about anal. I know somebody. I, one of my friends is like, yeah, like he's like, I grew up very religious, and he was straight. And he was like, I grew up very religious, so me and my girlfriend in high school would only do anal because we didn't want to lose our virginity, technically, in like the eyes of the Lord or whatever. Not saying that that's like necessarily D- Dion's deal, but <laughs> it's real. I know, like. Some people would I, do that. I thought it was oral sex and maybe I heavy mean, petting. Okay. But um, I, I did not <laughs> think she was talking about I anal. I think she's talking about no. anal. <laughs> stand by that. <laughs> stand by it. Stand by I it. I do. Maybe she is. Maybe she's she like, is. I'm technically a virgin, but I've been, you know. The technically a virgin part of it, I could see. Yeah, that's the part. That. That's the part that gets me. Uh-huh. Then, because I feel like, if, but you know, some people think oral sex is considered sex. Well, like, yeah. Oh, I, mean, I gave a blowjob. Now I'm not a virgin anymore. Like that, unreal. No, you have to use one of your holes. Right. I feel like to, she wouldn't be as embarrassed about saying that she has given oral sex. There, I, I that moment where she throws the pretzel at her as if she's like, shut your mouth. I mean, yeah. they're trying. What else would you know? Me- <laughs> it, it just seems like her reaction is bigger than just sucking dick. Like, I'll be, I feel like that's more expected than than getting fucked in the ass. <laughs> but you know, there are some people out there even that will be like, "I will not suck dick." No, it's not for me. Yeah, that's true. I hear that more from women than yeah. I do men. Oh yeah, I think men like sucking dick. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so so I think because Cher is kind of vulnerable in this. Uh, in this way that's what makes her open her eyes to the possibilities of potential suitors which leads us to the introduction to christian yes and i think this like comes from like this little critique that she gives in between these scenes of like the boys of her generation and she kind of like (laughs) reads them for like how they dress and everything and in comes christian who has this like classic mature sense Uh. of style and she's like oh wait like I can't maybe I can have like the best of both worlds in this person yeah I okay I don't know that we'll get an opportunity to talk about it later so I'm just gonna say it here I think Christian is such a cool fully realized gay yes I know you know even though we never get him we never get his perspective on it which sucks yeah like but I mean which I think could be like in a, a new Clueless, like in a way, like separate from the Clueless franchise, but in a new generation with so much talk about sexuality and the non-binary and yeah. trans and things like that, where we can have somebody navigating that world while still trying to be a teenager. Yeah, no, <laughs> would absolutely. be an interesting concept to kind of take from Clueless, but then make it its own thing. Yeah, for uh, sure, because. This is great. I mean, they didn't make him stereotypical for obvious reasons, even though he's more inclined to the artistic ways of life. Yeah. But I think that gate allowed for a deeper character because 
he's handsome, he's charming, he's sweet, but also strong, you know, when we see him defend Tyler. Oh, yeah. And he's not particularly masculine or feminine. Yeah, he sort of exists in the in-between. And in between, and he has this really neat style that's emulating the the manly men from yesteryear, yeah, which the Rat Pack, yeah. But which in these in this '90s uh, world, it's not that manly anymore. You know it, it, mean? It, so, it's kind of campy. He, it's like his style it's is sort campy. of campy, yeah. You know? Which is similar to Shares in a yeah. way, like as far as like what they're portraying by through their costumes yeah um, and i think it makes him appealing for both men and women yeah it's, i just think this character is such a breath of fresh air i love uh, setting a new example for how gay men could be written in a time where uh, most other gay characters in tv and film were stereotypical sassy yeah. effeminate males who weren't appreciated especially during a time when like the aids epidemic was still sweeping yeah. through the nation he doesn't feel like a punchline to a joke and I exactly, and I appreciate that a lot. Absolutely, and I'm assuming Justin Walker is straight, and so he said yeah, in probably. interviews that he was given um, sides for Josh and Christian, but immediately identified with uh, Christian's attitude and lingo, and was compelled to play him. And also, Josh, uh, Josh, Paul Rudd said that when he auditioned for Christian, he was hoping to get that character because he liked how cool he was. And I'm like, that's nice for like straight men to be able to appreciate yeah. his character written as gay because he's cool and not gay. You know, it's right. he's cool first, gay second. <laughs> like us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, sorry. <laughs> hot, hot first, then cool, then gay. Hot, cool, then <laughs> gay. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get more into Christian. Why don't we? Or yeah, I would like to have him in me even. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cher grabs Christian's attention by sending herself gifts to show off how desired she is. The two become friends and soon plan to attend a party together. Christian arrives at Cher's house to pick her up, interrupting Mel and Josh as they work with Mel's legal team on his latest case. They are both put off by Christian's relaxed Rat Pack persona. Josh is clearly envious and tells Mel that he will trail them to the party for Cher's protection. While Cher and Christian bond on the dance floor, Ty arrives... This part is so funny. <laughs> Ty arrives and self-consciously stands alone watching Elton dancing with his new girlfriend, Cher's social rival, Amber, played by Elisa Donovan. I can't believe we haven't introduced her yet. I know. Hagsville. <laughs> She's a full-on Monet. <laughs> Josh soon shows up and dances with Ty to help her feel more included and comfortable. Cher is pleasantly surprised by this thoughtful gesture. Later, Christian finds a group of guys having an after party, but Cher wants to go home, so Josh agrees to take her. On the drive home, Cher suggests that they pick up food for Mel and his legal team. Impressed by this considerate suggestion, Josh begins to form a new opinion of her. Cher decides to move things forward with Christian and invites him over one evening when her father is out. To her disappointment, he ignores her advances in favor of watching Tony Curtis movies. Christian realizes that Cher is coming on to him and decides to leave. Cher is devastated. The next day, Cher joins Dion and her boyfriend Murray as Murray gives Dion a driving lesson. Cher laments Christian's lack of sexual interest in her, causing a highly amused Murray to point out that Christian is obviously gay. He's a cake boy. <laughs> a friend of Dorothy. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, a disco dancing, Barbara Streisand, take a hold in front of Dorothy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Somebody says. laughs> 
Distracted by the news, Dion accidentally merges onto the freeway and screams her way to the nearest exit. Murray calms her down and the two ferociously begin to make out, which will eventually lead to the loss of her virginity. Oh my God. Her front virginity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love this scene where (laughs) Cher is trying to grab Christian's attention. And in a way, this teaches her a lesson. Like, Cher... Just because you think these things are going to work to catch a guy's attention, that's yeah. probably not going to happen. Yeah. I, I, well, it's it really fun to see her, like, trying these things out on herself. Like, you know, we've seen her give advice to Ty and, like, yeah, you know, how to get how to get guys. Now it's interesting to see her, like, put her money where her mouth is with herself. And, you know, she's, she has some, like I said, we, she has tricks up her sleeve. She reads her books. She reads her men are from Mars, women are from Venus. She has these books in her home, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And so she has the tricks you know, up her sleeve. And, um, you know, I think Christian is just, I think he's attracted to her energy. I think that so. she, yes. we love, you know, as gay men, I can't speak for all of us, but I know we love a pretty girl. We love to have our, our we love it. We love a pretty girl who has a fabulous way of life yes. and a fun electric energy and yes. this, you know, exactly. demanding presence. Yes, exactly. And so I do think that he is, he, you know, he's attracted to her energy and I think he wants to be her friend. And, you know, I think that Cher has convinced herself without even thinking that obviously that means he's interested in her. She's not, She probably doesn't yeah. have too many gay people Could, around her. I mean, most people in high school don't. It's actually funny because <laughs> I was just saying it, 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 these things that she's doing aren't going to work to capture a guy's attention, but it actually does catch his attention. Yeah. But I think he does love how desired she is because he kind of falls into it, but not in a romantic way, but in a way where he's like, this is the type of girl I need to be hanging out with. Yes. 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 And I don't know. <laughs> do you think that Christian has enough self-awareness to know that he's gay? Do you think that he's like confident in his, in, or is he still sort? He's probably still closeted. Let's be honest. I don't think so. I think he knows he's gay, but that's really interesting that you bring that up because there's nothing that he does that says that he obviously yeah. is. But he does flirt with that guy at the party, the bartender. Right. Sure. So, which could be just like a natural response to you know a guy giving him attention. You're right. It, but he so, very well could be in the closet. I think he is probably in the closet. I mean, it's the '90s. You know, high school is not God, the safest place to come out that. as gay. I don't think that he's out by any means, but I think that you know, I think that he gets to live a, you know, his campy lifestyle under this like you know this Rat Pack sort of thing that he does, mm, and I think yeah. that you know, and he that probably fulfills him in a way. And, um, you know, eventually I'm sure, cause I, I think at this point and I relate to this cause you know, I had a girlfriend in high school for a, a long <laughs> time, but like we never did anything sexually together and it was more like hanging out, like hanging out with my best girl, you know, and we would watch yeah. movies and we would, you know, kiss or whatever, <laughs> but like that was it. And so I relate to this, especially the scene when he comes over to the house and she's making these advances <laughs> on him and he immediately like shuts down and is like, okay, I think I gotta, I think I gotta get out of here because it doesn't feel maybe right necessarily. And, and I, and I care about this girl and I really, I especially love that scene, that part where um, he's leaving, he's walking out the door and he's like, you know, knock me a kiss on the cheek. And cause I think he's like, I do really care about Aww. you. I really love you. 
but I, you he know, I, I can't love, I can't love you like that, you know? And I related, I relate to that moment a lot, you know? Yeah. You know, that, that is so interesting, especially relating it to your own experience as yeah. um, a gay man, because for me, um, you know, equating Christian to myself, I'm like, he is obviously out, you know, I yeah. by the time I got to high school, I was like, okay, enough with this girlfriend business. Like that's when I started dating. Yeah. I had a boyfriend in a freshman year that I was a senior and I just Damn. felt like I was the gay queen of the universe. So <laughs> I, I, I always assumed that he was out, but you, I think that you probably brought up a uh, really interesting point of view for him and yeah. Yeah. yeah showing that he still appreciates this girl as his friend without fully saying I'm, you know, gay. Like, I'm gay like I can't be with you but that's why he like says when he's walking out the door he's like we're friends right and she's like yeah and you know I, he probably mm. just doesn't have he doesn't have the confidence to tell her why he can't be he can't get himself to be sexual with her he just you know I don't know. I don't know. I, I just really, I really like this scene. And I, again, I just really like and Christian. I always read that as um, him not realizing that Cher didn't know he was gay. Like, I felt like this is maybe the first time that, you know, Cher making these advances. He was like, wait a minute. I thought we were on the same page. Oh, maybe. Like, Am I not? And maybe didn't want to tell her that he was gay because he didn't want her to feel stupid. Oh, I mean, maybe that, that's true. Too. Either way, it's yeah, very I, innocent. For me, I, I think of it as like he doesn't have the capability of saying it yet. All he knows is that he needs to get out of the situation before it gets really awkward. That has a deeper, you know, yeah, sense like res- of resonance for him. him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what I meant. You know, it's like, it's like that gay panic when you're like, oh, God, this girl that I thought was going to be my good friend. We're going to watch movies together. And she's, you know, and she looks fabulous. We look at art together. And then she's like, <laughs> she's kind of getting the wrong idea. And he's like, oh, God, like, I can't say anything yet. But I need to remove myself from the situation before I lead her on anymore. I know when I ha- after that girlfriend that I had, I <laughs> broke up with her. This was like me, my sophomore year. After that, I yeah. did. I was like, okay, I'm done dating girls. Mostly because at this point I, I had a self-awareness that I knew that I was probably gay and I didn't want to lead on any more girls into thinking that I was, you know, interested in them to where we would date. And then they would be, I don't know, devastated and think that like, dating, dating me or, you know, or like me dating them turned. They made me you gay. gay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I, and I didn't want to do yeah. that. I didn't want to, I didn't want these girls to feel like, Oh my God, I dated him. And then he turned gay. Like I was like, do you want that? I'm just like, not going to date. I don't need to date girls anymore. I'm just going to yeah. be myself and be sort not asexual, but I was just going to be like, you know, not worry about that. Under the covers until yes. the time was right. Yes, exa- mm-hmm. exactly. And that's how I kind of have seen Christian. Meanwhile, as soon as I caught a senior's attention and he was like, is he gay? I was like, no, but do you want to be my boyfriend? Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, before we even get to this part, we start to understand that Josh is sort of coming around to the idea yeah. uh, that share, you know, they're, they're kind of, we have these moments that they notice these qualities in each other that they do like because yeah. they've been kind of feuding as siblings this whole time and now they're starting to see each other differently yeah like Marsha and Greg yeah <laughs> so the, the the song that plays as Cher's coming down the stairs 
um, for her date in her white Calvin Klein dress is from the musical Gigi. Gigi. Starring Vanessa Hudgens. (laughs) 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 Well, she did play that on Broadway, but most famously oh, Audrey Hepburn. I'm sure it was a performance to watch. Okay. Um, the, <laughs> the male lead Gaston sings a song about how he's finally seeing the woman Gigi has become, which is what Josh is experiencing yeah. with Cher. So that's that's kind of a cool like yeah. thing that's not really noticeable. Yeah, and also you, you, you could see him getting kind of protective of her. He's like, I mean, it is kind of stupid. He's like, you're going to let her walk out wearing that dress, which is like, okay, shut up about that. Mm-hmm. But like, I think yeah. he, he's just getting, he's starting to feel like, oh, like, I don't want the other guys sort of like oogling her. He's, you were just getting hints that maybe Josh has a different perspective on her than he's led us to believe. That he's seeing her become yeah. a more mature, realized person, you know, than he, we originally thought. So then we get to that party. I have to mention this because it's so funny. When uh, Ty gets to the party and <laughs> she's like waving, <laughs> and then she just eats it down the stairs. And I and I love when they're, they're like, "Oh my god!" And Cher goes and rescues her, and she's like, "Oh shit!" And she's like, "That was so embarrassing." And she's like, "Nobody even noticed." And then that guy comes up and goes, "Are you okay? That looked really bad." <laughs> 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 that part kills me every time. She's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." <laughs> I do love this scene of the party. It's so bright and nineties, yeah. and just like perfect. Yeah. And Amber is wearing one of her tackiest ensembles, oh my God, which this is ballerina. Like, like this that, ballerina, like, sort of like eighties um, style that she's wearing. Yeah, that, that it's skirt. really fun. Yeah, it's very. Hard. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> it's fun to catch her in all of these different scenes that she's in because she's mostly uh, a very supporting character and yeah. the fact that she's in the background in most of the scenes that she's in. But her costumes always make her stand <laughs> well, they, out. They definitely pull focus so for ridiculous. sure. <laughs> it's like hottie and flavor of love. Like these <laughs> themed outfits that she wears. They're so crazy. That Pippi Longstocking hair one is the most outrageous. That has to be the most jarring. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Does she put wire in her hair? Like, what is she doing? So just like we were saying, Christian's outlook, like maybe having some sort of like new generation clueless where it's like Christian, the a Christian type character is in the forefront. It's Cher getting ready for her date with him mm-hmm. is really relatable on several levels for our newer generations, uh, especially for us as part of like the social media generation where we're carefully curating our image to appeal to oh, others. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Like, when she's like, I had Dion come over right away to develop uh, costume design. A lighting, <laughs> lighting, a lighting design. The <laughs> lighting scheme, I love that. Yeah, it's so funny. And then she gets flushed, which I never understood that. Yeah, because that kind of goes red. away. I know. I but I but, but that comes back to Cher's sense of control. She's trying to manipulate the situation to go her way. Yeah, and she still hasn't been able to let go of that yet. She's still very much trying to to instead of just like being herself, she feels like she has to manipulate the world around her in order to 
to help her, you know, instead of just like letting, yeah. in, relying on herself, who she is, what she brings to the her table. Her natural charm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She she feels like she has to create this, uh, create the setting as opposed to just be in it. Things don't go her way. You know, he's more interested in Sporadicus. <laughs> <laughs> I know, which these very like notoriously gay movies, like Some Like It Hot is about, you know, men who dress in drag and then Spart- <laughs> Spartacus is very much you know, a homoerotic film starring all these men in gladiator outfits. And I guess there's a famous scene where one man is trying to seduce another man. I don't know. But, um, Mm. so I think that's really funny that they incorporated that. He likes these like notoriously queer films. (laughs) (laughs) This, um, scene where she finds out that Christian is gay because Murray recognizes it. Yeah. This driving scene is just, hilarious they yeah. captured the panic of driving on the freeway yes. for the first time yes. so well <laughs> yes it is so funny and it, it is like how they like exaggerate it it's like it's pure chaos like honk honk like all it these... is uh screaming screaming yes. yeah oh well God. here's a, here's a personal story for me when i was taking my driving lessons i got onto the freeway for the first time scared as hell but i was keeping my composure i I'm behind this truck that suddenly merged into a different lane, leaving me to completely run over a ladder that was in the middle of the road. <laughs> a ladder. And it got stuck on the wheels and I had to <gasps> drag drag it to the shoulder. And the instructor and some other citizen um, had to lift the car with what? a jack to get the ladder off no. of the wheels. I'm Dion. Did you fail? It wasn't my test, thank God. Oh. It was just a driving lesson. He was like... He applauded me for not um, merging suddenly into one of the other lanes without looking. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Well, I'm glad. But well, that is crazy. That sucks. That at that least happened. the car didn't flip over. I know. I, shit, I'm, that could have been dead. so dangerous. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So, shall we move on? Absolutely. Embarrassed by her misconception of Christian, Cher abandons her romantic pursuit of him in favor of maintaining their genuine friendship. I know. I'm glad she's so understanding. I know. I love it. I love that they grow even closer. Yeah. With her knowing. Christian's my good girlfriend now. I love it. (laughs) Carpe diem. Carpe diem. You look hot (laughs) now. While at the mall with Sharon Christian, Ty experiences a traumatic incident with some guys she's flirting with as they nearly drop her over the upper level railing as a prank. Christian angrily reprimands the culprits and comforts Ty, who is shaken but unharmed. Over the next few days, news of this dramatic event spreads throughout the school, causing Ty's popularity to skyrocket. Cher watches, unnerved, as Ty is caught up in the attention, becoming a shallow, snobbish brat. Cher is further disturbed when Ty coldly rebuffs the sweet-natured Travis and blows her off to go shopping with Amber. Later, Cher prepares to test for her license, even though she's still a terrible driver, and has gotten multiple traffic tickets. Cher finds it difficult to focus during her test because of the shift in her friendship with Ty. She ultimately fails the driving test after hitting a car, almost plowing someone down, and running a red light. Cher is defeated and dejectedly returns home to find Ty and Josh playing a flirtatious game of hacky sack. Ty immediately speaks to Cher in private, excitedly revealing that she has overcome her disappointment about Elton because of her newfound attraction to Josh. Cher is startled by the discomfort she feels in response to this news and tells Ty that she does not think Josh is a good match for her. 
Chai is affronted and insults Cher before departing, calling her a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> Eyebrow. I'm outie. <laughs> Cher embarks on a solo shopping trip to clear her head and realizes that she herself is in love with Josh. In an unusually vulnerable mood, Cher goes to her father for advice, explaining that she is interested in a do-gooder type, though not revealing that her love interest is Josh. She expresses concern that she is too shallow and selfish to win his approval. Mel tenderly assures his daughter that she is an incredibly caring person, much like her late mother had been, who constantly goes out of her way to help her friends and family. This encourages Cher, and she decides to become more compassionate on a wider, global scale. (laughs) So this section is really interesting, Mm. um, because everyone is now on a different journey. And we see Cher really clicking with Christian, because something she later admits that she admires is his knowledge of art. It's something beyond her high school school bubble. Yeah. And because she has this desire to take an interest in something important, I think that's why they're bonding more in this section, because she's learning from him. Meanwhile, Dion, you know, has finally lost her virginity to Murray. And so she looks more to Ty to discuss sex because Ty is more sexually experienced, the most sexually experienced of the three girls. Yeah. So there's these weird shifts in the dynamics of their friendships. Yeah, there's like a big power shift here. And you can see that um, after this incident that happens in uh, the mall, all of a sudden Ty's popularity skyrockets and and Cher begins to start losing influence. I think it really comes to a head when she takes this driver's test. I think she really starts realizing that she can't manipulate her way out of everything. And that, you know, now, yeah. now she doesn't have... You know, she can't really, doesn't really have as much power with her friends. They're all now looking to tie, including Dion, including Amber. Um, so now what she has is her power of manipulation. And when this driving scene happens, I think she she gets a real, like, dose of reality when she can't talk her way out of it, you know? And I think this is really her transitioning into adulthood much like her interactions with christian who does have Mm -hmm. like an old soul has a maturity about him uh, you know yeah and so she's transitioning into adulthood when she realizes that you your world is not as small as you think it is and that your power of influence isn't as big as you think it is and that you're not going to be able to talk your way out of everything in life you're not going to be able to talk yourself out of the things that adults have to do you know like a driver's (laughs) test like you're it's not like you know changing a grade at school this is like a big deal you know people's lives are in danger you destroyed public (laughs) property you know and i think that's when it first really starts hitting your heart that she is completely clueless yeah she's clueless (laughs) she really doesn't have the maturity or the influence that she thinks she does in life. She doesn't have it all figured out. And she also is now realizing that her influence isn't always necessary. It's not always for the greater good because Ty has now become completely taken over by her new popularity that Cher basically gave to her. Yeah. You know, even like her outfits now don't have a glimmer of who she used to be. She's now 100% a product of Cher's influence down to the matching plaid she wears later in this section. Yeah. But it's really interesting because now Cher is looking at Ty and she's she's un, she's like off put by her yeah, and she, she created a monster s- 
And she's looking in the mirror because now she's seeing herself from an outsider's perspective yes. in a way by looking at Ty coming off as vapid and superficial. So this change in this storytelling is really clever in that way. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Ty is now at where she used to be, Cher is transitioning into maturity. You know, uh, we're starting to get that. Yeah. So she's like not, she's kind of, off, yeah, definitely off put by who Ty is now and this thing that she created. And I think she's starting to feel some remorse as well that she did this to this girl, you know, yeah, that she changed this yeah. girl from who she was, this kind of sweet, naive, lovable girl into this like vapid brat monster. Yeah. And, and she liked her better the way she was before. And she's realizing that she shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Oh, and also another thing that I thought of that's in my that's in my notes is that when she's talking to Mel, he's like, how could that be? You're the most beautiful girls, girl in Beverly Hills. And she goes, I know, but I feel wretched. You know, like, yeah. I'm convinced that the word ratchet was birthed from somebody mispronouncing the word ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel wretched. Like, ratchet? I feel ratchet. I feel that too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god. So then we get... Um, you know her interactions with Josh now so now Ty has tried to sink her claws into Josh which you know Cher has just or she's like kind of feeling that there's something going on between her and Josh now she's starting to feel it and um, she realizes that Josh is also somebody that she can't manipulate you know and and, and that troubles her you know especially when she has this big realization that Josh is the one that she's in love with she's screwed because she's like, I don't know how to manipulate this person into liking me. I just have to be myself, you know, and that, and she doesn't, I don't think fully understands who she is yet. And so that's like another layer adding on top of this, you know, her power being drained from her. And I do think that it all comes to a head when she has this uh, conversation with her dad, you know, and I think, and I think that it's really nice that he reassures her that she is like her mother and I do think that her, him saying that to her restores her confidence. Yes. She's been knocked down a few pegs. and But I think that all this happening to her really gives her a chance to step back and finally, like, listen. Since she spent her entire, or at least the entire movie, we've seen her talking at people, telling them what they need to do. This is how you do this. Yeah. This is how you be popular. This is unsolicited who you need to Unsolicited advice. Right. Yeah, unsolicited <laughs> advice. She just spends the whole movie talking at people. And now I think she's realized I can, I need to stop and listen and absorb because she does have that moment where she's like, do you know what? And I realize that, that, you know, the people around me have so much to offer that I've never even realized like Christian and his, you know, love of art, you know, and you see her like kind of going out with him to these art places and she is confused. Like she has this like look of <laughs> absolute, like, I don't understand it at all. But the fact that she's like still trying to absorb it, she's trying to just, learn from somebody else and she's like constantly trying to teach people things and then she even even down to Dion and Murray she's like you know how they are with each other I could you know I could learn to be you know more compassionate or you know so sweet you know like they're so sweet to each other and even when nobody's watching Mm and um you know it doesn't always have to be a show or a display and um I yeah so it's nice to see that she's capable of learning from the people around her and in kind of realizing that she doesn't have it all figured out. And it goes back to what you said, like when you were saying that him telling her that in a lot of ways, she reminds him of her mother. It goes back to what you said in the very beginning of this episode, where it's this 
it's this unconscious thing that she's trying to obtain as being like the mother she never knew and so when he tells her it does reassure her and it does restore her confidence yeah and and i think that's great i think that's a great way to have her have some self-realization bringing it back to to the person that she's always strived to be like and it's like oh wait Mm -hmm. i can be like my mother um, because I, I already possess those things. I don't have to manipulate. If I just be me, I, I'm already emulate the best parts of the person that I admire so much that I never really knew. Yeah, you know, I, I have that so naturally. Don't try in me. so hard. Yeah, I don't have to try so hard. <laughs> yeah. And then I yeah, and, and uh, maybe it's sometimes best to just sit back and learn. In my research for this movie, I understood that a lot of people love this movie. However, these days, a lot of people are turned off by the fact that Josh and Cher end up together. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to, ju- I, I think in my head, I'm like, okay, by this point, she's 16. And I read that Josh is supposed to be 18 years old. So they're like two and a half years apart. Yeah. So the age difference isn't that bad, but everything in high school seems a little you know off yeah. like me and Andre I, when I was 12 he was 18 graduating yeah. from I'm 4 years school, I'm 4 so. years older than Joey so yeah it, yeah 14 18 that sounds yeah. bad but you know it doesn't matter as when, much when you get older it's just like when you are younger. it's that teen that teen to adult transition that's yeah, kind of exactly. funky and the fact that they're stepbrother and stepsister but Sharon Josh's relationship in the movie is based on Amy Hegerling's grandparents they were stepbrother and stepsister so I think this is more a part this part is more of an honor a tribute to her grandparents and it's funny because my grandparents were also stepbrother and stepsister so really this must have this must happen often (laughs) wow that's wow I've never heard of that actually happening I didn't know it was so close to home my dad's dad and um his second wife, who is basically my my grandmother, is there. They were stepbrother, stepsister first. Wow! And he was much older than her, much older, much older than Josh is to um, share. Wow! Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we finish off this section? In an effort to impress Josh, Cher volunteers to help with the donation drive headed by Miss Geist for victims of the Pismo Beach disaster. Josh takes appreciative notice, and Cher herself feels unexpectedly fulfilled by engaging in this charitable endeavor. Travis donates bongs and other materials to the relief, and confides in Cher that he's given up his drug habit before inviting her to his skateboarding competition. At Travis's event, Ty approaches Cher apologetically, and the two become friends again. After watching Travis impressively skateboarding, Ty redevelops her crush on him. Cher and Josh also spend considerable time helping Mel and his colleagues process paperwork for their important case. While working with one of Mel's stressed-out underlings at the house, it is discovered that Cher accidentally sorted some crucial documents incorrectly, causing the panicked lawyer to cruelly insult her. Josh defends Cher as the lawyer storms out of the house. Josh then comforts Cher, leading to them both revealing their feelings for each other, and they kiss. Soon after, Mr. Hall and Miss Geis are married with many of their students in attendance, including Cher, who has brought Josh as her date. Dion, Murray, Ty, and Travis are there as well. The girls congregate as the bride prepares to throw the bouquet, and their boyfriends watch the ensuing scuffle with amusement until Cher triumphantly surfaces, bouquet in hand. She runs to Josh, and they kiss as the credits roll. The end. Oh my god. Aww, okay. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's funny because when I finished the last section, I said, um, share decides to become more compassionate on a wider global scale (laughs) but you know she's still in this beverly hills bubble so when she decides to you know lend a hand it doesn't go too far beyond beverly hills because she's gonna first start in pismo beach that's which what is this pismo beach disaster supposed to be i have no idea is it like an oil tsunami like yeah what happened on pismo (laughs) beach I know it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, she's doing as much as a girl in high school probably can do, you know? Yeah. And so she's (laughs) starting small. I love that. I think that she's now doing these charitable things out of the goodness of her heart uh, instead of for personal gain. You know, we, we, we talked about it a lot in the beginning, how she was like doing nice things. She was, you know, helping Ty. She was uh, helping Ms. Geis and Mr. Hall, but all those things had self-serving purposes, you know, either for power exactly. or to, you know, help her, her future raise her, grades. raise her grades, you know, but now I think she's had that self-realization where she's like, you know what? I can do things out of the goodness of my heart without wanting to receive things in return. And, you know, that yeah. the, and knowing that there are bigger problems in the world and she's starting to see beyond the high school bubble you know and i think that's that's her transition into maturity yeah when you were talking about you know where she notices christian's um knowledge and art and marie and dion's compassion in their relationship one of the things she also mentions is that uh, miss geist's passion oh for yeah saving the world and so she kind of latches onto that so in a way she, even she's taught Miss Geist some things yeah. to get Mr. Hall to notice her and things like that, even though it was all manipulative and Miss Geist is unaware. But now she's learning really, truly from her teacher, Miss Geist. And so that's a nice full circle moment as well. Yeah, exactly. Miss Cher is, she's turning into a mature, fully realized human. And that's a great thing and to watch. And we get more of it when she makes up with Travis. You know, Travis is trying to better himself. Yeah. Therefore, he is able to connect better to Cher, who just had a different mindset of what she should be doing, what her priorities were. And he's trying to prioritize responsible decisions. And so they connect in that way. And I think that's a really sweet thing it for is. them to have it is. in this ending. Exactly. Yeah, they come from two completely different cliques and worlds and, you know, walks of life walks yeah. of life but you know you can put all that aside and really connect with people no matter what like you know you just have to see them for who they are and for the goodness in them and i think that's a nice thing to see here yeah and it's nice to see ty scale it back yeah. and go back to who she was just a little more fashionable now yeah exactly and, i wonder what you know, you know we don't really get the reason why she has a moment of self-realization either um I, yeah, because this movie's not about her. Yeah, I, I know that <laughs> is. I'm like, I'm like, what did what happened to her? Did I wonder she, what happened that she just realized that she was sorry. Um, I don't know. I, that that is kind of like a weird hole in there that I'm almost like, what, what happened? What happened? Did she not? Did something happen to her? Maybe when she made Cher upset, she oh maybe went home okay. and was like, maybe she just like, what a complete bitch. Yeah. And then looked at her outfit and was like, what am I wearing? Yeah. Like you know, what is this? Who am I? She probably looked in the yeah. mirror and just realized like I don't even recognize myself anymore. That must be. She's it. like pink plaid, matching skirt and blazer. Yeah, she's like that's not who I am anymore. She actually like you know 
grabbed a lamp and threw it out her mirror and it shattered. Oh my and god! Yeah, she's like smashing there were tears. the mirror. She's like smearing blood. She's on smashing her, face. her head into the mirror, like when she was smashing her head into the table. Yes. Oh god, I love that part. And Dion's like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> yes. All right, and oh. then and then so all everybody's sort of getting into a better place, and that leads us to our little final moment with, well, not a final moment, but um, our Sharon Josh moment where. Yeah, where he defends her in this moment where she's being talked down to by somebody who does think of her as this sort of service Stupid level, girl. yeah, ditz, you know, with a credit card kind of thing. You know, and he calls her stupid, and Josh is like, she's not stupid because now Josh knows her much better than he ever has and he yeah. knows she's not stupid he knows that she wants to help and wants to be a good person yeah, and, and she wants to be charitable and she wants to use her influence for solely good and, and she's not expecting anything in return yeah and this section's really a wrap up you know we talked about Josh and Cher's relationship what it means to Amy Heckerling why you yeah. know it sort of came together this way and then we have it all end up with Mr. Hall and Miss Geist getting married. And I like to think that this is, I mean, obviously this is Cher's house that they're getting married at. Is that where they are? I never realized that. Yeah, because the pool is in the background. Oh, okay. That pool that they're splashing around in the beginning of the movie is in the background. So I like to think that they knew that they were engaged and Cher was like, I have to do your wedding. Yeah. Like, I, I have to, I, I have a feeling Cher planned this wedding. Oh, I'm sure she was like, you know what? The least I can do is I know you guys are on a teacher salary, but you have full use of my incredibly gigantic mansion. Mansion. And, you know, she, she mentioned earlier in her debate class that, you know, she likes to throw parties. Yeah. She threw her dad's, 50th, 50th yeah this is 50th birthday yeah. you know even though the topic was haiti <laughs> oh yeah the hadians <laughs> the hadians which she pronounced in real life as the hadians and they were like just don't tell her just, don't correct her yeah don't correct her, her it. it's, it's funny like <laughs> it's so good it's so good oh, oh everyone's happy and together and all is well I, I kind of wish that they showed Christian with a little boyfriend at the end I know where's Christian Where, why wasn't he invited to the wedding where's Christian's love interest yeah. he, he is there he's wearing um, a flashy blue blazer is he oh maybe I just have never noticed mm-hmm. yeah I think he's in the crowd so oh you know, well I like yeah that would have been nice to give him a boyfriend but you know whatever <laughs> whatever 90s Whatever, 90s. Can't have yeah. it all, I guess. Okay, well... He- yeah, don't go too far. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, final thoughts. We want to see them gay people kissing. Oh, oh okay. So fi- final thoughts. Final thoughts. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. It is on my list of top movies. This comes in second to Scream. Scream and Clueless, are, they're just a huge influence over my entire being. So this movie is very important to me. We were even nervous going into it. I because know. It's an important movie to us. We we were nervous for all the Scream movies. I you know. know. Like, there are certain movies that we're just nervous to do because we're like, are we going to give it the, ju- the yeah, justice? Yeah, the justice not it the deserves. Justice, but yes, exactly. Yeah. Are we going to really, do it truly justice. Yeah. Dis- do it justice and show how much we appreciate and adore and love this movie. Yeah, you're even wearing your, your shirt right now. I love it. I see Miss Dion what? and Cher right Whatever. there. Whatever. I love it. Yes. Uh, I know. I um, it is perfectly written and directed. It is perfectly cast. The performances are great. The costume design is just 
amazing. I will never have anything bad to say about this movie. I want to live in the world of Clueless. It is flawless to me. Five out of five. Five out of five. Absolutely. Yes. I I love this story. I love this vehicle for Alicia. I think that she absolutely nailed this character. Um, You know, yeah, it's just like a feel good movie. I turn it on just all the time when I need something to just fill my heart with joy you know it just yes comfort yeah comfort eating a big ass burrito (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) yes no uh, yeah i think you hit every nail on the head the fashion the lingo the influence it's had um Mm. i was share for halloween uh two or three years ago right yes i was so cute um i don't know i just yeah it's perfect it's a perfect film one of my absolute favorites and it's a five out of motherfucking five yes that is the end of clueless yeah um next week we're jumping into our march lineup um with mars attacks oh my god i I, I had no idea what was coming next i was like i don't know what episode we're doing next mars attacks yes mars attacks yes yeah we're going we're going a little sci-fi comedy here so um as we haven't done one of those since killer clowns so that'll be exciting i know this was a successful episode of here the talking queers i'm so glad we did this movie me too um don't forget to follow us on social media. We are at Fear the Talking Queers, but you know, obviously, you'll see all our Hear the Talking Queers content on there as well. Yes. And um, you can visit the link in our bio from there. Or if you just want to see some links, how you can support the show, you can go to flow.page slash fear the talking queers to find out how you can support us, to find where you can listen to all of our episodes. And, um, yeah. 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 And uh, don't forget to leave us an Apple podcast review. Five out of five, because we are five out of five bitches. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, until next time. All right. Sweet dreams, bitch. <laughs> sweet dreams. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we don't, we don't have a send off for here, the talking queer. So sweet dreams, everybody. Bye. <laughs>